10, 10, John chapter 10, and uh, I just want to challenge your thinking a little bit here this morning, and uh, John chapter 10, and actually we won't start in verse 10, um, I want you to start in um, uh, verse 7 uh, with me, but we're doing a, starting a new series of messages, and look, I've got like 12 pages of notes here, so... Uh, fortunately, I write big, but um, we're not going to get even through page one, I promise you, today. So um, this is going to be a, this message to me, in, in all truth, has been the most life-changing message in my life. And, you know, I came out of a, a broken home. I came out of a, a, a situation with my dad. And look, I, when I talk about my dad, I want you to know that I don't hold anything against him. Um, he's in heaven now. Uh, he was messed up when he was a kid. And of course he carried that in. People messed him up, helped mess him up. And, uh, he, um, uh, he took that out on his kids. And, uh, so, you know, most people that have been in bad situations tend to pass that on into the next generation. And my dad was just like that. And so he did. And, um, but I don't have any sour grapes about it because I recognize that, look, we're all saved by the grace of God. And, you know, he had his flaws and I never made him apologize to me for the things that happened growing up. You'll hear me tell stories sometime and you'll be like, oh my goodness, he was a, he was a monster. But look, I'm just telling you so you can have a point of reference to what God can do in a person's life. I'm not telling you it so you can know how bad he was. Because see, if I have to explain to you how bad he was, then all I'm trying to do is find an excuse for how screwed up I am. Okay? So I'm telling you stuff about him so you can know what God can do in your life. There isn't anything that he did in my life that's affecting me today. It's not. I'm a changed person. But I will tell you in my Christian walk, there were lots of things that were that he did that were characteristics and, and things that we struggled with that, that, that actually manifested in my life. I battled with depression off and on throughout the years. Um, you know, there was all kinds of, there were times that I didn't even, I mean, I never, never went and got in medication or anything like that, but um, there were just times that I thought about quitting everything. Um, there were times I thought about just sleeping a lot and staying in bed, and there were times that I just avoided people, period, to stay away from folks. Um, unfortunately, you can't do that at home, and I have a godly wife that prays and gets in my face about stuff, and so I couldn't quite avoid her, but... Um, and. Uh, but, you know, the same is true about God. You can't avoid him either. You could try to run, but you can never, you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. There's no way. So anyways, I just to share all of that, that, that all of the things, even though I had all kinds of great things that were happening in my life, my story is a lot like your story. I had a lot of incredible things that were taking place. I mean, I was, a, you know, I, in, in my basketball career and ministry career, I mean, great things that were happening in our family. But still, even as a Christian, I was carrying over a lot of stuff from my past that I didn't quite know how to deal with. And I, I wasn't real sure. And, you know, people will tell you in the church, well, just have faith. Well, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So you can't just have faith without hearing what the word has to say. And you, gotta have a, you have to have a revelation of what God says about your circumstances to truly break free from whatever's going on. And so... I needed a revelation in my life. And I'm going to talk with you. I have to lay out theory first, but I'm going to talk with you about, a re, about the revelation that God gave me in my life and what he has done in my heart for transformation. Because see, here's what I know about life. I don't want to just, uh, my Christian life, I don't want to just be an improved version of Richard Jolliffe. I don't want to just be a better me. I want to be a new me. I want to be Christ-like. I don't want to be just a... You know, sort of a, you know, you, okay, we skinned off the sin and now we're just going to put a new coat of varnish on there and we got all these flaws and things underneath that are all screwed up that need to be dealt with. That isn't what God does at all. God gives us, he transforms us through the renewing of our mind. Can you say amen? So in the scripture, Jesus begins to talk about being the door. 
And I want to talk to you just for a minute about this. And so it says in verse seven, and then said Jesus unto them again to his disciples, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Then he says in verse 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have, might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And then he goes on and makes some I am statements here. Okay. So he says, I'm the good shepherd and, and on. Now, Let's talk about what Jesus, what, what, what we can understand from scripture, what Jesus is saying here. One, he says, I am the door and a door is an access point, correct? You want to come to a door, you're at an access point. And the, the, we need to understand that Jesus is the access point for all of heaven, for you and I, Jesus is the access point. He is the door. So you can't get, you can go in and out the door, but you cannot experience What's beyond the door except through Christ? Would you agree with that? Just like that door right there, you, you know, you could be in here your whole life. There have been people who were never in my office and they walk in and go, you know, I've been coming here 20 years. I've never been in your office. I've never seen, I didn't even know what your office would look like. When you come in, what do you find in my office? You will find my heart. You'll find my life. You'll find things about me. You'll discover things that you could not know being out here. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Same is true at your house. You know, if I come in your house, I'm going to see, you know, and, I mean, we're not going to see bare walls and, and there, we'll see pictures of family members, right? We'll see, you know, with your kids when they were little, we'll see, you know, we'll see that you have a 75 inch color television set, you know, we'll learn things about you. We'll find out that you don't dust on top of your refrigerator. At least I will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, anyways, but we find out things because we go past the access point. There are people that will pass that access point all their life and never know what's beyond the door. So what Jesus is saying is, look, I'm the door. You can go in and out, but the only way you're going to know what's beyond the door is you've got to come through me. And of course, then he goes on and says here that I'm the door. And if you come through me, if you enter in by me, you will be saved. You will be saved. Now look at it with me. You will be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So what he's saying is, look, you're going to go in and out and find provision. You're going to find peace because pasture is provision. Pasture is peace. It's a place to reside. It's a resting place for the sheep. And so you're going to go in and out and you're going to find pasture, whether you're in or you're out, you're going to find pasture. Okay. But then he goes, and it's like, this doesn't even belong here. I mean, it's like you look at this next verse, you're like, why is this here? Because he goes on and he says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you could have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, typically what we do with this verse, and I just want you to, to, to listen to me for just a minute now. Typically what we do with this verse, and I've done it as well, is we say the thief is the devil. But we have to remember when we study scripture that we have to take all scripture within its context and we have to take all scripture within the pretext that's there. And so we examine scripture by scripture. We don't just take, I mean, we don't just arbitrarily pull verses out and make them say what we want them to say. People do that, but that's not, that's not good hermeneutics or good study of the scripture, right? No place did Jesus ever call the devil a thief. And the devil is not mentioned here, but he does talk about a thief, Okay. Now stay with me because see, I know we start hitting this sacred cow and we're like, wait a minute now, pastor, this is one of my favorite verses and the devil is the thief. Now just stay with me and I'll, I'll show, I just want you to think about something. The devil is a liar. Jesus called him a liar. He said he's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. In fact, the only people that Jesus really called thieves were those who were trying to stop people from receiving the truth of God's word. 
He called the Pharisees and the Sadducees thieves. He says, you guys make it, look, you, got, you guys make it hard for people to enter into the things of the kingdom. You make it easy on yourself, but hard for everybody else. So I just want to, I want to lay a, just a thought. Now, now, you know, don't throw daggers at me here. But what if the thief he's talking about here is not the devil, but it's you? What if you're the thief? Because look what the thief does. Now, now stay with me. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now look, the devil has no authority over you. Uh, at all. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you right now. He has no authority, none, zero authority over you. Okay? And so for you and I to say, well, the devil's the thief because he came to steal, kill, and destroy. All we're doing right now is we are taking the responsibility of us being stolen from, us being killed, and us being destroyed, and we're taking it off of ourselves and saying, well, that's just the devil. Now, the devil's real. He's a liar, and he's a manipulator. And I definitely think if he could steal stuff from us, he would steal stuff from us. But here's the thing. He can't steal anything from you that you're not letting him steal and letting him kill and letting him destroy. So what if you're the real thief of the story? Now, what does that do in the context of the scripture? Well, if When Jesus talked about thieves, he said it's people that aren't stepping into the reality of the word of God. It's people that are hindering others from receiving the word of God. What if you're hindering yourself from receiving the truth of God's word? Therefore, you're robbing yourself of what God wants to do for you. Well, pastor, I don't know. You know, I've heard this for years. Well, you know, the early church, I mean, I'm not trying to do a church history thing here. But early church fathers, none of them conveyed this. They all believed this was the Pharisees and Sadducees. They never believed that it was the devil. They never even talked about it. In fact, it was only within the last couple of hundred years that people started saying that the thief is the devil. So, and I don't think that was a revelation because I think, I think the truth is, is that the devil wants you to think he's the thief because you won't take responsibility then for why you're being stolen from. Yeah, keep telling yourself I'm the thief. See, because man, that really, you know, it's like being confronted with truth. You know, Jesus said the truth will set you or make you free. But I always like those of you know who Jamie Buckingham was, he used to say the truth will make you free, but it will make you miserable before you get free. Nobody wants to hear that it's my fault that I'm dealing with this problem. Nobody. And it's much easier, as I talked about, like with my dad, to blame my dad for my problems. Well, you know, I'm just all screwed up because of my dad. I mean, that's just the way that it is, and I can't change that, and, you know, that, that's just how that all happened. And so what am I doing? I'm taking all responsibility from any kind of change, any kind of transformation, and I'm putting it absolutely and totally over on someone else. And when we transfer that to someone else, we give them the authority over us in that area. So when we transfer blame, when we create blame, when we transfer blame to someone else, what we are doing is we are transferring the authority of that circumstance to someone else. Basically, we're saying they win. They win. So I, I realize that it might be, a, and look, if you want to still have the devil be your thief, that's okay. I mean, I totally understand. It's been, if, that, if that's what works for you and you got to have that, that's great. And there are plenty of other scriptures that talk about stuff like this. But, but I just want you to think that what does it change in your life this morning if you realize that you're the thief? That you're the thief. You say, well, preacher, what does that have to do with identity? Well, it has everything to do with identity. Because I don't think that we have come completely to the realization of who we are. And because we don't know who we are, we don't know what we have. And when we don't know what we have, we don't know what we can do. So it's just like in any kind of function situation in your life, if you don't know what you have, if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you have, 
then you will not be able to do what you need to do. You'll always feel powerless. You'll always feel weak. You'll always feel like you can't accomplish what needs to take place. So identity becomes the key for you and I to understand who we are, our identity. And I'm not talking about your heritage. That's a different thing. I'm, you know, a lot of people are big. I mean, I've got a book at home for the Jolliffe name. Any of you ever seen those? Uh, it's been passed through the family, you know, and, and we found out. And, and, you know, it made no difference to me, but I guess it does to some people. We found out that the Jolliffe name used to have an E on the end and only one F. And that the guy that was the originator, like back in the 1500s, that he lived in England. Well, whoop de doo How does that change my life? You, you know, people are sending, and I'm, if you're doing any of this, please don't. I'm not criticizing you, okay? People are sending their blood in to find out where they're from or their spit, Right? DNA.com or whatever it is, you know, because people are desperate to understand their identity. And so when we try to, you know, we're like, well, you know, like the one guy is all thrilled, you know, every year we had the big German festival and it was really awesome. And we ate, you know, Polish dogs or Germans bratwurst and drank big steins of beer and we'd put the garments on. And then I sent my spit into DNA.com and found out I'm not German. right? I'm not German. But see, I, so what? I'm not German. Does that mean you're less of a person today? And does it make, I'm actually Irish. So I'm assuming now he's eating haggis and other stuff now, you know, haggis or um, what are the Irish? Well, they get to keep the beer from the German over to the Irish, I think. But you know, it's just, you, you understand what I'm saying is, is that there's this desperation in our society today to find out who we are. Doesn't matter where we came from, our family, but we're trying to, the, the majority of people are like just desperate to find out who they are. And what I want to tell you today is, is that what you got to understand in, it's not about who you are from your family. It's about who you are from Christ. That Christ has made the difference in your life. You know, when God created mankind, he created a place for them and he called it Eden. It was this beautiful place. Eden was an incredible uh, garden. And, and in fact, uh, I want you to go to the Old Testament with me real quick to Genesis. And I want you to see this in Genesis. Like I said, don't get stuck on the thief thing. I didn't say the devil couldn't be your thief. People are like, well, this is strange teaching. Well, usually when you talk about people being responsible for their lives, it is strange teaching. Hallelujah. So God made this garden. I want you to notice here that when he created this garden, he put a tree in the midst of this garden. He put actually two trees. And the two trees that he put there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the other tree was the tree of life. And they were in the midst of the garden. Now, somebody asked me last night, they sent me a text after service and said, why did God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden if he wasn't going to let him eat from the tree? Well, that's a great question. The reason he put the tree in the garden of knowledge of good and evil is because it's not free will if you have no choices. If you, God said, here's, your, here's where you get to choose. You get to choose to eat from the tree of life all you want because he says eat freely. And then he says, but don't eat from this tree. And the reason he told them not to eat from that tree, because they knew what was right and wrong, because God told them what was right and wrong, good and evil, okay? So God was the source of all that was right and wrong until they decided to create their own right and wrong. In fact, that was the whole temptation the serpent brought, was is that you won't need God, you can be God to yourself, and you will know what's right and wrong yourselves. And that's why God doesn't want you to have that in your life. You know, so what he, what, why that tree is there, people think it was like some kind of a cruel joke for God to create, but he has to do that because out of his nature, he wants mankind to worship him because they want to worship him, not because we have no choices to do anything else. I mean, what else are we going to do? All we got is the tree of life. Where else are we going to get knowledge? Because we don't have, we only got God to go to. You see what I'm saying? No options. No free will. And so God is not going to have his people to be on this earth. He gives you free will. And, and you know what? God doesn't care that you have tons of options in your life. 
But what he does care about is that you make the right choices about the options that you have. This is good preaching, pastor. So he gives Adam the responsibility, dress, keep the garden, and tells him to eat freely from the tree. And uh, Adam and Eve, of course, you know how it all plays out. They begin to eat from, they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now I want you to watch what happens here, okay? Please stay with me. Genesis chapter 3. So in verse 8 it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Okay? And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now watch this in verse 11, what happens. And God said, Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? Because see, and then he says, did you, eat from the, did you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And then, of course, Adam doesn't answer him, right? He didn't say, yes, I did. He says, uh, this woman. So what is he doing? He's called, what? Now, please, don't get offended. He just called the woman the thief. And then the woman called... The devil's a thief, right? But Adam never said, yes, I did it. I'm the thief. I just stole everything. I just took the blessing away. But look, if you want the devil to be your thief, that's okay, all right? If he's your burglar, that's great, okay? Now, here's, here, here, here's what plays out here. Adam and Eve, for the first time in their lives... We don't know how long they functioned in the garden, but for the first time in their lives, they have information that they never had before. And they now, they now are reacting to this other information that they're receiving that is contrary to the information that God gave them. And it didn't take long for that to happen, okay? It didn't take long. Nancy, I want you to come up here up front with me, if you will. I want to explain how this happens. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, all right, and, uh, and let me have Alicia up here. Come on up, Alicia, and stand and face the congregation. Great. And you're the mind. I'm going to have you be my, or you're going to be the, you're the, you're the uh, soul, okay? And you get to be the body, and um, so I need one other. Um, Amy, let me have you up here, and you get to be the spirit, all right? Now, 1 Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. You want to write that down. It says that you would be sanctified holy, spirit, soul, and body. God is tripartite, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If he creates something in his image, which he did, he's going to create it tripartite because he is tripartite. He's the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit, soul, body. Now, what God says to us is that we would be sanctified, holy, spirit, soul, and body. Now, the problem that happened, the problem that happened with Adam and Eve is, is that when they ate from the tree, they disconnected from the spirit of God. A veil, the Bible tells us, can stand up. A veil all of a sudden, was put, stand right here. I want you to stand right here. Sharon, I want you to stand on the other side of Kent. Stand right here, right here, right? Move, right there. Keep going, right there. And you're right here, all right? So now, watch what happens. Now, please, this is really important. God has been the source, pre-Adam eating from the fruit, God has been the source of all information to Amy, the spirit, Right? which influenced the soul, which acted out in the body, right? Now a veil, because of sin, has entered in. And even though Amy knows God is there, Amy cannot relate with God on the level that she operated before. So here's what happened. Because Amy needed information 
it began to work the other direction. Instead of going from that direction, all of Amy's information was coming through her body. Five senses, right? What she smells, touches, tastes, hears. So the serpent is saying stuff to her, right? Which never before was influencing the spirit because God was influencing the spirit. But now the body is the only source of communication. And so the body rules. So it's saying that I don't see God. I don't feel God. I don't sense God. It's got all these things that are happening. And so Amy or uh, 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 Alicia is building her life. All this information is passing into the, the soul. And so the soul is just working in conjunction with the spirit. And so you have, and you can hardly tell the difference between these two. All right. In fact, it tells you in Hebrews 4.12 that it's only because the word teaches us that there's a separation of soul and spirit that we even know that. Is this too deep for you? I mean, I don't want to blow you away here, all right? So, okay. So now, Amy is separated from God because of Ken, who is sin, right? Right? And so there's separation. So what happens is because she is separated from her life source and she's not allowed to eat from the tree in the garden anymore, she has no way to continue to perpetually live in her spirit because she's disconnected from the place where her spirit came from. Are you with me? So now Alicia is just filtering all this information into the soul. All this stuff about, and it's carnal. And when we say carnal, it's fleshly information. It's not based off of the Holy Spirit. It's based off of what is seen. It's based off what is heard. It's based off of base desires that Alicia has. It's based off all that carnality, okay? And I know you don't have any of that, but I mean, it's based <laughs> off of all that, right? But, it, but, but that's what's happening. And so it's, it's going into the soul. Everything that's happening in Alicia's life is imprinting her soul, which is constraining the, only, the spirit that is in her. This was created to function at, the, at, at a level of interrelationship with God because, it come, because this comes from God. Amen. All right. So Jesus comes and the Bible says he takes out the middle wall of partition. Okay, so now Ken's gone, right? Thank God for it. Amy receives Jesus into her life, right? And then all of a sudden, Amy's a Christian and she knows the spirit now is back in relationship with her. But there's such a huge problem that exists right now. And that problem is Nancy. It is. It's Nancy because Nancy is only used to listening to Alicia. So Nancy, uh, Amy's saying, forgive. Alicia's saying, punch him in the nose. (laughs) Right? And so here we've got Nancy stuck in the middle here. And if Nancy doesn't know there, but see, here's the thing. God is so awesome because he, he tells us about how to straighten Nancy out. And and believe me, your Nancy needs a lot of straightening out. Okay. So a battle is on and that battle that's happening is happening in Nancy. Okay. You guys can sit down. You can sit down. You did great. You did awesome. All right. Now. Stay up here because we got to deal with, we got to fix Nancy right now, right? So Becky, come on up here. And uh, Robin, let me have you up here. And Jeannie, let me have you up here. Okay. Now the Bible, when it talks about the, the soul, okay, Nancy, it talks about it being tripartite. Okay. And the soul, I'll show them. I, thanks. <laughs> you get to be the will, surprisingly. <laughs> Your favorite, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, now watch. So, Nancy has three avenues of way that she keeps information, that she, she processes things in her soul, okay? 
And the way that that happens is through three, three things, mind, will, and emotions, okay? Mind, will, and emotions. So Jeannie, you come down here and you get to be the mind. You're on this side. You stand in the front. You get to be the will, okay? And you stand right there, Rob, and you get to be the emotions, okay? Now, this is really awesome. So you've got all of these in operation. The front line of the soul is the will. Because it's there that we choose. You know, there's just like, and please, I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, so don't. But, you know, when I said the stuff about being the devil, not being a thief, you made a determination whether I explained it well enough or not. Right then, I'm not buying that, okay? So I don't care whether you did or you did. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, but I'm just telling you that your will got involved immediately, and it does it all the time. Watch whenever you leave here and decide where you're going to go eat at today. Honey, where would you like to go eat? Well, probably your wife has decided not to decide, even though she's decided. Right? So you're going to say, you say, well, I don't care. Where would you like to eat at? I don't know. You decide. Well, let's go to, let's go to Hoonan's. No, I don't want Chinese today. That's not. So she has decided. All right. Well, she has decided. Excuse me. I'll keep this off of you. (laughs) All right. Now, look. This, is, this, this can be strong and can be weak. It can, be, it can run at all kinds of levels, the willpower, right? The will. But it is the front line of the soul. The will is. Whatever the will allows, now watch this, whatever the will allows will flow to the mind. All right? Whatever the will. Now remember, when you run this all now today with Christ, that if Amy's standing here, the spirit, the will is guided by the spirit, Amy, that is guided by the Holy Spirit or God, Sharon. Okay? Or the will can decide to not be led by the spirit, but decide to be led by the body. And therefore we will say things like, I can't believe that. It's not that you can't believe it, it's that you won't believe that. Are you with me right now? I'm not going too deep, am I? I'm serious. I, because my, I want to make it simple. I don't want to make it hard, all right? And so, um, so Becky here typically will not yield, will not yield unless she, ha- unless, unless she wants to or unless she has to. Right yep. now, <laughs> right. Well, Becky will want to change if she's getting enough information that she needs to change or that there's change is possible. Right. Okay. So there is a, this, you know, this is all so connected that you can't really break it. I mean, I'm breaking it down, but really it's happening in split seconds here or microseconds. So Becky either changes because, makes a decision because she wants this or because she's so broken, she gives in, okay? Now, gives in can mean that we're so compelled by the Holy Spirit that we give in and receive Christ. And so we say, you know what? I feel the weight of my sin. I did in my life, the the guilt of my sin, the weight of my sin. I made a decision for Christ because of the heaviness I broke. Now, There's two things that can happen whenever this will gets broken down. One is the will can turn to God, or the second thing, the will will turn to self-medication. Alcohol is a self-medication. Drugs are a self-medication. I went in for a physical this last, I don't know when you've had your last physical. They go through a whole list, and they're like, do you smoke? Nope. Do you drink alcoholic beverages? No. Do you, and then they go to one, and he goes, do you self-medicate? I'm like, like what? Like, do you self-medicate? Like, do you take drugs to take care of your, I'm like, no, I don't do that. But see, people that are struggling and are broken, they just assume go to the bar and self-medicate their pain, right? 
right? They, they would self-medicate. And the reason that that happens, and we'll, we'll kind of get into the depths of this, is because whatever has been in this mind, okay, that has been rehearsed, stay with me, that has been rehearsed over and over is in the emotion. And when it gets into the emotional level, you're not just going to get rid of it by saying, I changed my mind. Emotions are real. Do you agree with that? When you feel something, it's a real deal. Because emotion is, is, is that place of, of un, subconscious. It's where things, like if you ever, um, have you ever been talking to someone and immediately while you're talking to them, maybe it was a salesperson, you immediately knew there was no genuineness about them, right? You're like, uh, and it didn't matter what they said. I don't care what offer they made to you. If they thought you were disingenuous, something connected. It wasn't your mind that connected to it, your emotion connected to it, which fed back to your mind, get out of this deal. And your will said, I concur, we're out. Right? Emotions are powerful and your wounds run into emotional levels. And do you know why your wounds run to emotional levels? Because you rehearse them. Your pain is rehearsed. And so now everything, that it, it, even, if, even if Becky is at a level where she's like, I, res, I submit to Christ, you know, I want to be a better Nancy. I want to be, you know, I want to f- flow with the things of the word. And, and, and she's, and the mind is receiving the information. It doesn't mean just because it's going in the mind that it's changing the emotion. And this is our struggle. This is our great struggle. Because see, at this level, we're really, here, because here's what happens, and this is, really, this is really powerful, and I don't have time to get into all of this, uh, uh, but I'll do it quick. See, okay, I'll do, I promise, I'll do it quick. This is a proven biological fact. At this level, you can process 2,000 bits of information a second. Now, remember, God created you, so he made you his brain and everything like his, okay? He created you in a function that would image what he is, all right? So in this mind, she can process 2,000 bits of information. But at this level, the emotional level, you are processing 4 billion bits of information a second. That's why you pick up on stuff that you don't know that you're picking up. A lot of us, when we're driving, we're not even in our head anymore. Are we? Have you, I mean, do you think about driving anymore? Remember when you first got behind the wheel? Man, you were, you were really thinking, right? You were so much thinking that you were forgetting stuff as you were going through doing it. You're forgetting to put the brake on before you put the car into gear or push the clutch or whatever if you're that old, you know, or you got a clutch car. <laughs> right? So you were nervous. There was things that were happening and it was happening in, because you're not comfortable with it. So when you first started driving, you didn't get in the car and go, this just feels right. Right? But look, your desire was greater than your fear, so you kept learning. Now, you're brain dead when you drive. No, it's true. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying something's wrong with you. I'm just saying when you drive, you can go for miles and miles, and you're not even thinking. That's why you get so bored driving, because you're on remote control. I mean, Greg, you know, how many ways do you know to get home from here? All of them, right. <laughs> And sometimes you'll just take a different way because you're just tired of taking the same routine way over and over and over and over. And so you're not even engaged with what's happening, okay? So it's at a, a much deeper, it's at a much deeper level in your life. This is what happens in our emotions. So we come to church and pastors like, well, you need to just, you need to get the word, you need to, you know. The scripture says you're a new creation in Christ. And Becky says, I agree. That sounds great. I'd rather be a new creation. And Jeannie goes, I received that. I'm a new creation in Christ. And the emotions are saying, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> now, even though that might be going on in the mind, that is not what's going on in the emotions. Because in the emotions, you still got mama yelling at you that you're dirt. In the emotions, you still have the last boss that fired you. In your emotions, you have all your failures and things because they got there only because you rehearsed them. 
See, that's why Jesus told us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The number one way that we learn. Absolutely. Now, you say, well, I, I'm hearing this, Pastor. This was totally awesome. It's a proven fact within four days, you will forgot 83% of what I told you. You'll just remember that I had these ladies all standing up here and Nancy was the problem. <laughs> Who was really only bad because of the front man. <laughs> Becky. Right? So, are your emotions real? Are they real? Do you really deal with them? Do you feel? Feelings are much stronger than thoughts. Believe me. Because they move you. They cause your body to react to things. They, they can cause you that even when in your head you know it's right, in your heart you're having a hard time following through because your emotions are saying no. So how do we change, Robin? How do we get that straightened out? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the only way that I can transform Robin is, is that I've got to get Jeannie thinking. And this is what it says in the book of Philippians. It says, think on these things. To think doesn't, you know, okay. We're not taught to think in our society. You realize that, right? We're taught to memorize, but we're not taught to think. In fact, in studies, it says that only about 2% of people ever really think about things. They just memorize things and then do what they're told to do. To think is a hard thing. Because when you start thinking, you might think outside the box, and then everybody will call you a maverick or some kind of thing, because you're thinking different than other people think. You know, we reward in our school system, not based off, and I know you're a teacher, but we, we reward not off of thinking, but off memorization. And I'm a lousy memorizer. I don't know about you, but I can't just take information in and regurgitate it. I've got to be able, if I can process it, then I can actually do much better on it because I understand it. Right? So in math, we're taught to memorize formulas and plug the information into the formula and you'll come up with the answer. In geography, in history, in English, we're taught not to think, but we're taught. The hardest thing is like when you get to college and then they tell you to write a paper, right? And then if you get a good teacher or an instructor like Jeannie, she's going to say, don't tell me what I told you. Tell me what you think. And that is one of the hardest things to get a student to do is to actually think about something. Well, how do you, because we, and we won't say, what do you think? We'll say, how do you feel about this, Right. right? Because we're trying to hit this at a deep level. So how does this relate to you? Because if I can get you to think about it, really think about it, and I can move it to an emotional level for you thinking about it, guess what's happening? Transformation. I, college freshman year was a nightmare for me because all I had been taught not to think but to regurgitate information. Nobody taught me to think. My goodness. Don't be creative. I mean, you know, just do what you're told to do. When my professor started saying, you're not thinking, I'm like, I am too. This is what you said. That's not what I asked you. I want to know what you think. And that's hard. That is, isn't it? I mean, my lying, I mean, it's just true. It's so, it's so true. I know I'm putting you on the spot in front of everybody, but we want transformation to happen. Transformation will not just happen because it's in Jeannie's mind. So if you're over here going, well, I'm memorizing scriptures, memorizing scriptures will not transform your life. Here's what has to happen. And he told you, think on these things. To think means you ponder upon, you meditate upon. And I, we'll get into this another week. But Because when you ponder on it, just as you rehearse your pain to move it to an emotional level, when you rehearse and meditate in the word or repeat the word to yourself over and over and cognizantly, then what ends up happening is it begins to affect your emotions. Didn't these guys do a great job? Give them a good hand. Thank you. Now, I'm going to have to stop, but um, I want to give you a couple practical things that you can do to help change, okay, that can help you in your life. If you look with me at the book of Proverbs chapter 4, Jesus, or the scriptures tells us that we have now an avenue back to the tree of life. 
and we can draw from the tree of life. And uh, this is so powerful. Um, I hope you get this and you'll, you'll apply this to your life. Proverbs chapter four. And I want you to look at verse 20. Verse 20. And here's what it says. My son, attend to my ways, words, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Now, if you stopped right there, you'd say, well, how is that the tree of life? Well, watch this next line. For they are life. For they are life. To those that find them and they are health to all their flesh. So what happens is, is that as I am drawing from the word of life, I am drawing from the tree of life for my life. Can I say this in, 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 in all sincerity today? God has determined always for his people to have heaven on earth. Yes. Yes. If you want to talk about God's divine intention, it's for heaven on earth. Why does the scripture say in our prayer, we should pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because God wants you to have heaven on earth. Eden was heaven on earth. Eden was heaven on earth. And so what God, Jesus came to do was to give us back heaven on earth. That we didn't just have to have a, a, a one door to go to, that we have him as the door to go to, and that through that door we experience all the life that we need. And it's so powerful because as you look at this, it says not only will that life affect you spiritually, not only will it affect you and your soul, but it'll affect your body. Your flesh will begin to respond to it. Which if your body is responding to it, that means your emotions are responding to it. Your emotions are responding to it. In fact, Proverbs 14.30 says this, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. The heart would be the soul and the spirit together. It would be that combination that you can't even rightly do. I mean, it's so hard to, to break them apart, but that would be the heart of man is the soul and the spirit. You know, when you die, your soul and spirit will go with you. Okay? Your soul and your spirit will go with you. And so when, you know, when they, and, and there's some biblical examples of this, but when they saw, when Lazarus, I uh, was in the, in the grave when he was in hell and uh, he saw the rich man. The rich man knew who he was and, the rich, and he knew who the rich man was and, they, and he knew who Abraham was. So there's recognition. It's not like you look like somebody else, you know, that we all got massive wings and we're walking around and, you know, looking like however we wanted to look. We look like ourselves. So you better learn to love yourself because you're going to look like yourself for eternity. Just no zits, thank God. I cannot believe I'm 50, almost 59 years old and still get pimples. That just blows me away. I thought all that ended in my teenage years. Well, the bigger part of it did. But anyways, I digress. So don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. So let me tell you a couple of things that I do. Every morning when I take communion in the morning, I go through a confession that I make. And this is all on our Facebook page, uh, the church Facebook page, Amazing Grace Church. And it's not powerful affirmations. See, that's new age. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, we're not going to get in front of a mirror and go, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me kind of a thing, okay? That's not what we're doing, you know? We're not going to get in front of a mirror and say, people love me and I'm, I'm good looking. And that's, I'm talking about you getting the mind. Because see, what we want to get Jeannie to be is not Jeannie, but the mind of Christ. Okay? We want that mind to be processing so much of Christ in it that it's, that it's impacting the emotions. Because if we have the mind of Christ, we have the emotions of Christ. And if we have the emotions of Christ, we will do in our body what Christ would do. Thank you, Pastor. Now, in this confession, I go through this every morning and uh, faith, pretty much faithfully that I will make these confessions over myself. And, and they're based off of scripture. And uh, like I said, now you can't get them on your phone. So if you're going to your face, the Facebook page, Amazing Grace Church Facebook page, you have to do it on a computer. Over on the left, it'll have the word notes. Click on notes. They're all listed there. 
for free. I'll give them to you all for free, okay? Now, if you want to give me an offering, that'd be great, but you don't have to. You buy me a burger, that'd be awesome, okay? So here's, here, just listen to some of the word, things that I'll say. Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and all and will lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts and I include my grandchildren. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for his kingdom than they can imagine. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am, a growing, I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, and my leadership is sharper. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and called to reach people far from God. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I have unlimited potential to fulfill every dream, goal, and aspiration in my life. I develop leaders. That's not something I do. It's who I am. My words, thoughts, and imaginations are under the power of Christ. I take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I have no fear and am bold as a lion. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering when I go see my friend Joe. Because Christ suffered for me. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I do my best that makes the difference. The world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. And then I've got about 100 scriptures that I just go through and, and will quote. So I do that on a daily basis because what I'm, trying to, what I'm wanting to do is hear myself say what God says about me. Jesus said, Mark 4, be careful what you hear. You cannot control what others say about you, but you can control what you say about you. The number one voice you know in your life is your own voice. That's how stuff gets to the emotional level because you keep hearing your own voice rehearse what someone did to you. You hear yourself tell it to other people. You hear yourself tell it to yourself while you're laying in bed at night. And that becomes real in your emotions. So we're going to change that. If you want to be different, look, if you want to be like you are, then stay the way you are. But I'm telling you a way, a pathway out of all of this, that you and I can be dynamically transformed through the renewing of our mind. Part of what the adversary, you talk about a lie the devil wants to sow on God's people, and he's done this on the church, is, is that he will tell you and he will try to make you believe that your potential is limited to your accomplishment. That your potential is limited to your accomplishment. So what that means is, is that what you are doing right now is only because that's the only potential that you have. Well, I can't help myself. That's just the way, that's just the way I am. But see, and that would be true. Absolutely that would be true prior to you receiving Christ. But at the moment that you and I, when we receive Christ, we've stepped into a realm of unlimited potential. See, it's so hard for a poor person to think about being rich. It really is. And, it, and what's even, it's, it's just hard because if you, you know, like I was brought up poor. So, you know, we lived in projects. We didn't have food in the cupboards and in the refrigerators. All of that created actions and reactions in my life that I've had to deal with later on in life. And so when you're raised that way and you, 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 you know, and you're in survival mode constantly, you think, you know, when I was a kid, I used to steal money so I could buy candy or I could get food um, or to get the things I wanted. I knew I couldn't get them the way that we were living. So I created ways to get things and I did it the wrong way, obviously. Now, what has to happen in our lives is, is that when, when we go through transformation and we receive Christ, we find that he became poor so we could become rich. We have to be careful that we're not transferring those same attitudes into the riches. Because you are always, you cannot outperform your own self-image. You can't. You'll try, but you can't. If you can't see yourself being that way on a consistent basis, you will always go back to what you were. 
Paul talked about it, and it's gross, but it's just a, it's a great way. He just said, look, as the dog returns to its vomit, so they're returning back to what they were. Look, what Christ has brought you out of, you don't need to go back to. Okay? You don't got to go back to it. He didn't say you had to go back to it, but he said, look, there's always going to be the possibility you could go back to it. So if you're one of those people who's rude, just you're dealing with fear. Let's say you're, you're so afraid that, you know, you're going to get cancer and die. All right. You have to put, you have to make a choice in your life to start putting into your mind and think about what the scriptures say about healing. You should be taking communion every single day and celebrating the body of Christ that bore your sickness and disease. You say, well, that's religion, pastor, if we do it every day. Well, let me ask you, do you brush your teeth every day? Huh? Why do you do it? Why do you brush your teeth every day? Now, if you don't, don't answer, okay? But why do you brush them every day? What? Why do you keep them brushed? Keep healthy? Why do you brush your teeth? You want to keep your teeth, don't you? Right? I don't, didn't say I like brushing my teeth. I don't get up every morning and go, praise God, I get to brush my teeth today. <laughs> but I know that overnight, things have gotten on my teeth that don't belong there, that are there to hurt me. So what do I have to do? I have to brush them. I have to floss them. I don't like it. To me, it's just another thing on my list of things to do. But I do it. Because I, in the long run, I want to keep my teeth and not, why do we do this on a regular basis every day? Because you're getting stuff in your spiritual life that doesn't belong there and you need to remind yourself of who you are. Amen. You can't outperform your own self-image. You'll just always, and I'm not talking about new age garbage. I'm talking about you can't outperform your spiritual image of Christ in you. Your potential is unlimited, friend. You can become, do anything and listen and overcome anything in your life, but you have to get through Becky first. (laughs) And if you can't get through her, we're not going to get to the rest of it. No matter how much Amy's crying out, this is not what God intended. Stand with me, please. Thank you, Father. Now we'll get into this more in the weeks ahead. Father, I thank you for the word that you've given to us. Lord, I take responsibility for my spiritual life today. I'm not going to blame my past, I'm not going to blame my present, I'm not going to blame my wounds. I'm not going to blame my disappointments in myself and in others. I take responsibility today for my future. I take responsibility today for life change. Lord God, I pray today in the name of Jesus for my friends here today. Lord, I know that on different levels, we're all battling through this because we're human and because We just have that human experience in common. But we want to please you, Father. You told us in your word that we could walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him in all things. That's what you said in Colossians 1. So, Father, I pray today, Lord God, that we would be on a determined path, that we would just not stand idly by and go, well, we'll just see what happens or whether the, I don't know if that really works, but we'll actually start speaking what your word says over our lives in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I just thank you for incredible, powerful transformation in your people. Lord God, I just believe right now that there are deep wounds, even that some here, Lord, haven't even been able to share with anyone else that are going to be healed miraculously in their emotions, Lord God. Things that run so deep and control so much of their life, Lord God, and they know it, but they just can't talk about it. But God, I thank you that there is healing and there is freedom 
And there is transformation that happens through renewing of our mind. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hey, I'm going to hang around the altar to pray for those. I'm not counseling anybody. But uh, if you would like prayer, Mark and Jean, if you could hang with me just for a little bit and Sharon. And uh, we'd be happy to pray with you. If you